0: super talk mississippi media production state treasurer david McRae has put millions back into the hands of mississippi citizens expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money check out how treasurer david McCrae's office can help you your business or your organization
1: treasury.ms.gov i'm steve azar and i'm on the other side of the microphone In a Mississippi Minute That's right Hey, 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 I am Steve Azar, and you are certainly inside another Mississippi Minute. Thanks for joining us. You know, being a journeyman myself and not having my first hit song until I was 37, my next guest from my hometown of Greenville seems to be on the same Mississippi time zone that I was. You know, in a similar path, But his is in the world of acting, as he's becoming and is recognized as one of the go-to guys for Hollywood's coolest films. You know, I think he's just getting started as witness with one of his latest roles in which he had a whole lot of camera time in the Dallas Buyers Club, a film which was a winner of multiple Academy Awards. Please welcome my brother, J.D. Evermore.
2: Hey, J.D., what's up? Not much, man, just uh, chilling on my deck. Down right. off the Travuncta the River in Covington. How you doing?
1: Oh, very good. I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, being on the show. I've been uh, looking forward to it. So you're not in Atlanta?
2: No, I work over there a lot. Uh, well, I was, yeah, I was living over there for about a year while I was doing a show. I actually moved back to Los Angeles at the end of January last year. I told my manager I'd come back out for at least a year to try to get a new show. Wow. About two and a half weeks after I got there. I got a call from my agents uh, saying Marvel had just offered me a series regular role on one of their new series shooting in uh, New Orleans. And if I wanted it, I need to be on a plane the next day to New Orleans. So, went
3: well, you... back,
2: shot the pilot, went back to LA. I guess it was around May. They announced they were picking the show up, shooting in New Orleans. Fantastic. So I called my manager, and I'm like, "I'm moving back to New Orleans. I got a show, so I'll be when over. It's done. I'll be back."
1: Okay. Okay. So, so is this you're saying a series? First of all, where where it's so a Marvel series, and obviously Marvel's been on fire, obviously in the movie world. Tell us about it.
2: Uh, it's a new Marvel series called Cloak and Dagger. It's going to premiere on June 7th on Freeform Network, which I'd never heard of before I got the job, but it used to be ABC Family, but they rebranded it a few years ago, and it's a little more edgy now. It's about a young couple, uh, teenagers, uh, an African-American boy and a white girl that are in high school, and they meet... Uh, they, well, I can't really give too much away, but it, no, no, they no. meet when they're very young and, and instant, uh, an inciting incident happens when they're young and it brings them together. And then they don't see each other for many years until they're in high school. They reconnect and, and that reconnection, uh, kind of brings about these powers they have. Wow. And, uh, I don't want to get into it. No, much, no, 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 uh, no.
1: That's good. I it, mean, that's, it's
2: a really exciting show though. And you know, it basically play, a. uh, a uh, detective in the show. I like
1: it. I knew you weren't one of the. You and I, you and I, are just have just missed looking. You know the high school part. So I knew that you you weren't the high school <laughs> kid. <laughs> you and I are journeymen. We are journeymen, as I've said. You know.
2: Yeah, we're a little past there now.
1: <laughs> well, okay. So, so I I, I want to dig back in your past. We're talking to J.D. Evermore, actor. He's just really catching that. I guess just riding the wind now. Finally, things are starting. Like with me, JD, it took a while, man. It just a long time, and and uh, but it's what I do, and it's what I did, and same for right. you. And I know that this burns in your heart. Take us back to growing up, uh, especially with your dad, Puddin', who who we all are fans of, uh, and just sort of growing up. When, when did the acting bug happen? Um, well, you know,
2: it's it's kind of funny. Uh, okay, well, first, okay, let's go back, high school. Yeah. I took drama for a semester in high school, like many of us did, thinking I would just get an easy yeah. A. You know, I had a little bit of fun. Never did any plays until our senior year. We were uh, doing the play Oklahoma. I remember that year, and I think it was the first or second day of rehearsals. Me and one of my uh, fellow classmates, between the time we got out of school and we had to be back at five o'clock. Uh, and I don't condone this for anyone, yeah, yeah. but we went and got a six pack of Budweiser and drank it before we showed up for rehearsals. It's amazing and, uh, you can wound remember that. We up getting that, kicked right? out of the play, <laughs> and we were the only two
3: well, two yeah. kids
2: in our graduating class that were kicked out of our senior play, huh. <laughs> which is kind of ironic. Now that I'm the only professional actor from my high school, it's very I was ironic. Kicked out of senior play, but uh, you know the funny thing is, I remember I, I, I never, you know, I, I don't think I had a desire to be an actor or anything like that back then. But I remember when they shot, you remember when they shot that movie, Crossroads, there?
1: Of course, Ralph Macchio, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Steve
2: Vai. Well, I remember me and a friend, it was a Friday night, and uh, we went riding out to the hotel. They were all, all the crew and everybody were staying out, out 98, going towards Leland. And I remember driving through the parking lot and just seeing everybody kind of hanging out, partying, I guess after a long day of shoot and everything. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, wouldn't it be cool to get to work on movies? You know, how do you do that? I yeah. had no idea, of course. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> let's see, I went off to Ole Miss. I was 17 when I went to Ole Miss. Registered late, so I had all eight, nine, ten o'clock classes. Yeah. Partied. Yeah. Didn't make it to class a whole lot. And wound up failing out of school. Then my parents pulled me back. They had moved to Jackson at that point, and I went to junior college for a semester. And then I wound up uh, joining the Marine Corps. And after Paris Island, I got shipped off to uh, Twenty Nine Palms, California. And I get it was I think it was the first week I was there. It was during spring break. Me and some other Marines went to Twenty uh, went to Palm Springs, and we were eating at a restaurant, hanging out outside the table. And this group of girls at a table next to us, uh, were, we were all you know partying together and. And then we all kind of became friends, and these girls were all from L.A., and so about one weekend a month, we'd meet them in Palm Springs and get two or three hotel rooms and just hang out and party all weekend, and one of the guys was dating one of the girls, but, but anyway, one of the girls and I became good friends, and I didn't know it at first, but after we became good friends, found out her mother was a television movie actor. She was kind of big in the late 60s, 70s, 80s. It was uh, Marriott Hartley. She so you yeah, remember oh, the redhead oh yeah. woman that yes, of course. all the Polaroid commercials with James Garner and the Absolutely. 80s? Right. So I became good friends with the family. And then I was kind of like, you know, well, you know, why can't I do that? They're just, you know, that was it? like everybody else, you know, and that was it. Of course, it wasn't a realistic option growing up in Greenville, obviously, you know.
1: Well, I, you know, I'm going to step in real quick because I think we're, yeah. we're going to talk about it later. But I think because of where you grew up, it gave you this identity, which I feel you really have. And, and it's yeah. just getting to be seen. But I'm telling you, man, it's if it wasn't for where I grew up and where you grew up, there's no way I'm doing what I'm doing. It, it was well, I, in the water. I, I,
2: yeah, I believe we do come from a rich area of stories and storytellers. I right. will say that. Yes. But, yeah, so I got out of the Marines, came back to Mississippi. Uh, I was waiting tables at night, working during the day. At so how
1: old were you, agency. right, J.D.? We're talking to J.D. Evermore, an American actor, but mainly from Mississippi. That's what, that's what I like to brag on. But go ahead. Yeah. So how old were you at this time?
2: 21. Okay. When I got back from California, and I think I was right at 22, When I went, I decided, well, okay, here's the deal. I I took a beginning actor class. It's like a six-week, every Saturday for six weeks at uh, New Stage Theater in Jackson. I knew nothing about acting, you know. I mean, I I read a couple books, took that class, and I kind of enjoyed it. And so I decided, you know, I think I'm going to go back to school, be an actor. And so I went to my mom's office one day when I I worked for her, and and she was kind of pressuring me to take over the business and buy her out. But I just that's not what I wanted to do. Right you know, being a bill collector. And anyway, so I went to her office one day and said, Hey mama, I think I'm going back to college She's like, Well, that's that's great. What what are you gonna major in? I said, uh, theater? <laughs> her face just kinda was kinda blank, it's like, huh? And then she's like, Well, you know, why don't you get a minor in theater and a major in something else? I'm like, No, I don't wanna do that, I wanna get a major in theater and then it's like, well want you at least get a minor in something else. I'm like, no, I don't want anything to fall back on. <laughs> and so I just went for it. Went I love to, that. That's important. The University of Southern Miss. And, uh, yeah. And then I think, it, you know, I had stage fright so bad, honestly, in the beginning. Uh, first year classes, I think I just kind of sat back and just observed and took notes. I was just so nervous. And I guess it was my second year. I auditioned for the uh, Southeastern Theater Conference up, in, uh, up at Heinz. And they basically had this theater conference around the southeast. It's a different city every year, where all these, you know, theater actors from colleges all over the country right. come and audition to try to get jobs for these summer rep theater companies and tours and you know all kinds of stuff. But uh, there's only 20 slots for the state of Mississippi, and so I went to uh, my second year as a theater major. I went and auditioned, and I landed one of the 20 slots. And then off I went to. Uh, I think we had yeah we had it in Savannah that year. Okay, so let's take because
1: I want people, our listeners, to understand uh, the journey. So you know, when you're all in, because right at this point, when you go to college, you finally go back to college, and you said, "No, I want it to be what I'm going to do. I don't want it to be a, a an option." I want people to understand that when you're in, you got to be in.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you're in, you got to be in. And the thing is, is I honestly, I try to discourage as many people as I can from pursuing <laughs> this path because they don't they have no idea what they're getting into and how right. hard it's going to be, but at the same time, I know that if they want it bad enough, they're not going to listen to me, and that's how I was. I didn't listen either. I just said no, I'm going to do this for that reason i I try to discourage people, you know, I don't try to encourage people, yeah, go for it, man, go do this honestly i I, I do my best to discourage them, but like I said if it's if it's really what they want then they're not going to let anything anything or anybody whatever they say stop
1: them. right we're talking to jd evermore uh he is uh has uh, been so gracious to be my guest on in a mississippi Minute. stand by we'll be right back so i'm going back to greenville calling me home You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Azar, on Facebook.com Steve Azar Live, and listen to all my music, Steve Azar and Steve Azar and the King's Men, wherever you download or stream. Is it?
0: Super Talk Mississippi, number one in the Magnolia State for news, weather, sports, and talk that matters to you. Don't you forget it. Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and SuperTalk.fm. In a Mississippi minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You are inside a Mississippi Minute. My guest is actor, American actor, Mississippi born and raised, JD Evermore. I've been wanting to get him on my show for a long time. Uh, JD, I get so excited when I see you in a film. It reminds me of the time when when you and I talked, and you said you went into Tower Records when my first. When I waiting was just on Joe. about
2: to mention that.
1: <laughs> well, this this is the feeling I get. I I get to feel what you felt.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was many years ago when I first moved to LA. And so I was in a Tower Records, you know, browsing through CDs, and I see Steve Azar's CDs, and I'm like, oh my God, he's from Greenville, Mississippi. I'm, 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 I'm saying this out loud, looking around, and people are looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> and next thing you know, I look over, and there's Tom Selleck standing there looking at me. Wow. I'm saying it. wow. And, uh, and I thought it was Tom, but I wasn't sure because he had a ponytail, and he had on sunglasses, and he was clean shaven.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm, you know, I'm standing, and then I get in line right behind him, checking out. And I'm like, that's. I think that's Tom Selleck, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and then as uh, he finishes his purchase and I finish mine, I walk out. I see him getting in a white 911 Porsche. And I'm like, well, that's not Tom. He would be in a red Ferrari. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, yeah, you're thinking <laughs> the show, right?
2: <laughs> but then the next day I go to the 8th anniversary taping of the 8th anniversary Letterman show. And Tom comes out to do a cameo. And, yes, he's got his ponytail.
1: Wow. Well, so, so I get yeah. that same. So when I get to see you on film. So, J.D., I feel like you and I have been like you're just sort of we're on this same course and we we're going through the same journey in a different profession, but it's the entertainment business. I'm with you. If you look back at hindsight and you go, I got to go through all of that. I I mean, I guess would we do it? Maybe you and I would because we love it so much and we're we're that we may be that stupid. But but you like you said it, it hasn't. It's interesting. You say that there hasn't been one thing in particular. I call it little rays of hope and sometimes along the line you get this you get this thing that sort of lets you know okay it keeps you alive in the business but you look back and it was really i call it some were good things of hope and some were false hope but at least it lied to you long enough to get you to the next step and that's the only way i can explain it so i'm watching the dallas buyers club the other day i forgot you told me you were in it but you were in it i mean like I mean, first of all, Matthew McConaughey. You know, you got everything, and the thing won multiple Academy Awards, all that. But this is a film where you had. I mean, I saw you. We had short hair, and you know, you were so you you looked so different, and uh, you playing playing the the role. But you were incredible. And I'm going like, okay, now here we go, because I know I see you in so many films, but I feel like now is your time, and I feel like hearing about the Marvel thing. I just feel like, I just feel like you're just getting started.
2: Yeah, you know, honestly, I, when I first started, you know, it, I didn't get out of the gate until, uh, you know, I went to college. And then by the time I got out of there, I was 25, 26 years old. So I was, in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm getting a really late start at this, you know. I mean, a lot of these young actors are already hot and on fire by that age, you know. They've been doing it a while. And so I, you know, I kept uh, kept plugging away at it. And I'd get a little part there, a little here, and a little there. And, you know, as time went on, bigger and bigger parts, bigger projects. But I always felt like uh, that, you know, I really wasn't going to hit my stride until after I was 40. I don't know why, but I just always felt that way. And after I turned 40, 41, you know, that's when you get into a different age bracket because, you know, a lot of the roles are for teenagers or for the 20 somethings. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, uh, there's a lot of 40 something and up roles. And so that's kind of when it really started taking off. I felt like, and uh it's kind of funny, my mom gave me a five year guarantee uh, after I got out of college. You got five years to do this
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: and, yeah, and five years turned into ten, turned into twenty right but, well, uh, yeah, I never stopped though so well and, and yeah.
1: it's what you know you gotta you know, I know it doesn't seem like you were born to do it, but you you were eventually made to do it, and it's what you do. you know I always feel like your parents are play such an important role, no matter what they can be all in or they can be all out and one one pushes you as hard as the other one <laughs> you know like yeah. like my mom used to go i remember getting i went to nashville and uh and first of all i just built a house in greenville i was done because i had so much early success i guess playing all the played probably your high school played every high school every college every bar you know i had these right. big crazy trucks and i was trying to figure out my yeah, way as a it. songwriter right so yeah. so i was done because one of my guys There was a suicide, there was, uh, uh, somebody killed his girlfriend when he came home. I mean, I saw a lot of bad stuff. And so I said, I'm done with this. And I ended up playing with a bunch of guys that weren't as good, that were friends of mine, and realized that I was done. And so I built a house in Greenville, and trying to figure out what I was gonna do and then all of a sudden, in one week, three things happened that led me to Nashville. Cause I'd been shopping in New York the whole time, especially with Ahmed Erdogan, who was a legendary record guy at Atlantic. And I just they couldn't figure me out. So yeah. I ended up going to Nashville. And the first, my first meeting was with this publisher who was on fire and. He was, I went in there and he goes, I don't care what you look like, I don't care what you sound like, I don't know how you got in my office. I mean, he let me have it. And so I get out and I call my mom and I go, I told her what happened, I'm just coming home and she goes, okay, wipe off, quit being a baby, now go back to your next meeting. (laughs) So, and, and the funny thing about my career was, it's so funny, after all, writing all these songs, there was one guy that had said no became another in fact that guy the first guy that told me get out of his office became a huge mentor of mine later 10 years later and and was really great for my career taught me. it was really behind me recording my own stuff producing my own stuff and and who would who would ever think it you know but there was another guy that had turned me down i walked up he goes well you don't look like your." i knocked on his door and he goes you don't look like your picture you sent maybe you don't sound like the music you sent and i went oh my god so i walk in And he goes, hey, play me something you did when you were younger. So I'm playing him all this new stuff, thinking the latest and greatest is what, you know, I've grown up. And so I go back and play him stuff from the age of 13 and 14. And do you know, he looks at me and goes, you're a songwriter. And all of a sudden, I started playing those songs at all my meetings. And I was offered multiple publishing deals. And I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. I've been I've gone through 10 years. I was 27 at the time. So you're talking about 13 years, late, half my life later. I'm playing yeah. songs that I can't even believe I still remember. So, so my mom was. She didn't give me a time limit. She said, "This is who you are." And how the heck would that my parents be all in like that? I'll never know. And if you are supporting your kid or not supporting your kid,
2: man. You know, the, it, yeah, I had a similar, similar, similar but different thing. Uh, you know, when, like I said, when I went back to college, uh, I. I, I you know, I, I got strange looks from my parents at first. You know, because I mean, obviously, I'd never. You would at least have been playing music your whole life and writing songs. I hadn't. Got kicked out of a senior play. Be an actor now, but uh, but you know, but they were supportive. Uh, my mom, you know, she paid my rent for my apartment my first semester back at college, and uh, and then uh, and then you know, I'd get a little bit of financial support from them here and there, pay a phone bill or this or that or the other over the years, and when i needed it but i didn't really i don't think they really started supporting me until believe it or not my first acting gig was a uh rape suspect number two on an unsolved mysteries segment mm-hmm. and uh and, and they were so proud of me yeah i <laughs> know well, that's all right well, that's... and that's when it all my son's an actor he's been on tv yeah you know but yeah. uh but the weird thing is is you know what i took like i said i took off and went, moved to la and spun my wheels quite a bit the first couple of years there. I mean, I had a you know, meeting after meeting with agents. I'd go in and meet with them, get turned down left and right, you know. We just, you know, I don't know. For whatever reason, they'd turn me down. And then I'd sign with an agent, and, you know, they'd be all enthused to rep me, it seemed like, at first. And then six months would pass, and I wouldn't even well, have yeah. a single call from them or an audition. I'm like, well, you know, what's that about? So finally, it was a... Uh, I'd moved back to L.A. right after uh, 2000. I was, I'd was i been living in Austin, Texas for a few years, and actually I left L.A. in 97, moved to Austin. That's kind of where I got my start, because back then they were doing you know, Walker, Texas, Ranger, and a lot of movies. Yeah, you're and going, this, is, this is
1: another whole conversation I want to have in the next segment, but keep going, because I want to talk yeah. about how you've moved around where, where rebates and
2: things at yeah. stake. Well, were see, that's, the weird thing is, is, like I said, I moved back to L.A. In 2000, and then about mid-2002, I just kind of had enough, and I needed a break, and I uh, decided to leave. And a lot of my friends were like, oh, man, don't leave. Don't give up. And I'm like, I'm not leaving. I mean, I'm I'm leaving, but I'm not giving up. I'm just I'm going a different route, you know. I'm taking my own path. And so I wound up moving back to Mississippi. And then when, uh, shortly after I got there, I went to visit a friend in Oxford. And I hadn't been to Oxford in like 10 years. Uh, I think I was there for an REM concert last time. It was like 10 years before. I <laughs> love it. And I, after leaving L.A. and all that hectic pace out there, I go to Oxford for a weekend. I just fall in love with it again. And so I leave and then it was like 3 days later the woman that I went to visit, friend, she calls and says, "Hey, my my cousin uh has this really beautiful cabin about 15 minutes outside of Oxford. It's on a 17-acre private lake. It's been featured in Southern Living and several magazines. Anyway, she's she's going to be at her house in Aspen for the w- winter and she needs somebody to house it for. Her. I'm like, man, I'm packing my bag right now. So I'm good. on my way." Right. So uh wound up moving to Oxford and i was there for about three years but while i was there shortly after i moved there is when louisiana passed the tax incentives for film production so you know i started making the long haul from oxford to uh new orleans all the time to go down and audition and that's a five-hour trip down and audition five-hour trip back same day i was doing that all the time and you know so i started getting more and more work out of louisiana and then you know more work led to more work and eventually i was Able to now build a resume that most actors in L.A. would be envious to have, you know. Right, and I didn't do it. I love in it. LA.
1: You were chasing. You, were, I love it. You were chasing the rebate, as I call it. We're with yeah. JD Evermore. And we're going to be right back. You're in a Mississippi minute. Stand by.
0: mississippi on your radio your computer and on your smart device
2: i just kind of stream it online, yeah, online.
3: listen online every day
0: listen live at supertalk.fm and download the supertalk app to take mississippi's best talk with you wherever you go in a mississippi minute with steve azar right here on supertalk mississippi
1: Sunny boy, they have the choice. You breathe some hell and make some noise, uh-huh. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar and you are absolutely in a Mississippi minute. And my guest is American actor, Mississippi born. I'm proud of him. He's a brother, JD Evermore. Hey JD i know yeah. we're talking about you moving all over the place and chasing it and and all of a sudden all these all these roles are appearing are and they're getting they're getting more vast and they're getting bigger as you go but i want to talk to you about your dad real quick because my so my son is a filmmaker strack and and so i tried to make him a quarterback as a kid right and then <laughs> and then we were in nashville born and raised in nashville till he was 15 and then moved him here um the uh our neighbor was a USC graduate who was a pastor at a church that was in the film school. So he noticed that Strack and his son were wanting to make films all the time, and we had a bunch of property like four and a half, five acres, really hilly, set really high up in, on a hill, and uh, and they would just go out and you know shoot all these films all over the property and i and i realized strack had this crazy work ethic like he'd have he'd have his production schedule and this was young i mean you're talking about right. 11 12 years old so when he came to greenville what happened was and this is why i talk about mississippi having this thing all of a sudden he had a different backdrop to paint he had a different Different, different colors, and he saw things different. And I just felt like it gave him this crazy identity that reminded me of me because mine was through osmosis, not genetics, right? So, right. anyway, uh, he ends up winning a couple high school, the f- two or three, uh, everyone he entered Tupelo film festivals as a as a high school kid, you know, the high school yeah. ones, and then. He gets into to to NYU and Chapman University for their film to, you know, to batish school, all that as a as production film production major. But he really wanted to go to work. Now, he's graduating this year. But what he's been doing is he's been this is why I know he's built to do it. He didn't wait to do his senior thesis where you finally get to make a film, a short film and you have a budget and all that. He's made films every year. And so right. they've been in the San Jose Film Festival. They've been accepting the Fayetteville, Arkansas Film Festival five days. He had the last block of the last mm-hmm. night. So he, and, and his stuff is so lush looking. It looked better than these people that have had, you know, films and movies. So I know he can compete. Uh, and so, and now he's he's doing his thesis. So he's convinced a guy, they're in the middle of shooting right now, and he convinced a guy to let them paint his house so, because he wanted the rooms a certain color, so they they right. they've gone to this extent. He went and uh-huh. bought a van, an old van, and he's got insurance on it right now, and he's either gonna you know sell it afterwards. But I love the effort he puts in to make sure everything's right, and he's he's got this crazy sort of Cohen brothers writing mind, but it's his own. But he's got the he's got the work ethic to get there. So I guess what I'm talking about is we've got to see signs along the way. Now I'm on the other side of it. I'm a parent. And I'm going like, man, like you, I don't know if I want to put my kid through this. It's just going to be, you know, yeah. our other son's at Ole Miss and he's going to, he's on the good path to be a doctor. He's kicking tail. And I'm going like, that just feels so good. And here I am sending my son into the wolves den where you and I have there. been. But yeah. I know it's right for him, you know? And yeah, also, you
2: see, uh, yeah, when you see that kind of work ethic in a kid, you, you know that. Where their heart is, you know. Right. You know where their desire is, you know. It's not like some. Uh, it's not like these kids. A lot of these kids nowadays, like, I want to be on a reality show. R- oh, I wanna, give me a break. Be a you know right. reality star or whatever, right. And just show up and act a fool, right? You
1: know? Right. Well, it's not well, like that. Well, yeah. listen. I, so my point was, he did a series of interviews with people that he felt like were really true characters of the Delta, and your mm-hmm. dad was one of them. So he's got a whole, he has a whole arsenal of footage that's incredible because he is one of the most colorful, talented guys. In fact, uh, I was just sitting on. I, got, I went to ask him to make me some, uh, make me some iron work. Uh, he made me a couple of long benches, and I designed what I wanted, and it was built like in a week. And he goes, "Don't tell anybody. I'm doing this for you in a week." But <laughs> you know, I'm mean, in his good graces. But but his art with metal is it's absolutely it's incredible
2: it yeah it i I'm, it never ceases to amaze me at some of the stuff that he makes and uh and obviously I don't have it on me to, in me to do that I do enjoy doing uh woodwork you know that's a medium that I enjoy working in but not steel not like him i mean I, I i just i just don't have it you know it's, it's
1: amazing i mean to walk if, if you guys are ever in greenville mississippi a listener if you're coming in from i don't care if you're coming from california or portland maine or wherever and you come into greenville mississippi to check out the jim henson museum to check out the grammy museum to check out bb king museum to check out our culture and history you got to stop by on walnut street and you got to go to 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 jd evermore who is my guest today on in a mississippi minute his dad puddin's place because it will blow your mind as, as true art form and it's an example of what's in the water down here
2: he's actually not on walnut street anymore after oh, 27 wh- years where'd he uh, go he's over uh it's, it's it's the old atmos gas uh building uh that's on main street right next to the the, whatever the cable company, TV cable company is there.
1: Oh, you know, it's funny. We were we were looking for, I was knocking on his door the other day because we're taking our Delta Soul celebrity downtown and I was going to say, and we were talking about Puddin, if he'd open his doors for like all the celebrities, which, which obviously you're invited, but but we were trying to figure out, uh, and, and his door was locked, and I was going yeah. like, Puddin must have gone to lunch, so he's no, moved. He,
2: yeah, he's, he's moved over there right next to, uh, I can't think of the name of y'all, the cable company there. But
1: uh, Okay, what's the name of the place? his place uh, does he have a name honestly,
2: I, don't, it, I don't even think I guess it's still Greenville Ironworks but I don't there's not a sign yeah I mean you just gotta kind of know where he is I mean you know and, and there's a gate there and I think you have to enter the gate on the back he doesn't make it easy to find him no <laughs> no he doesn't want it doesn't <laughs> he
1: doesn't want to find him he doesn't
2: he has no shortage of work It's well, time,
1: so. let me tell you what but, he's so proud of you and I'm telling you, and your brother, because I know your brother's been getting some roles starting to do that as well. he's
2: yeah, going to be in the new Benji movie coming out on Netflix. Uh, I think it's coming out uh, next month.
1: I mean, it's I unbelievable. Next, you've been,
2: March 14th, I think. You've
1: influenced Netflix. your brother, obviously. He wasn't doing it, right?
2: No. You know, we both actually took a... Many years ago, I guess it was in it was right before I went back to college, somewhere around there, one of those fly-by-night operations that comes to town. Hey, you want to be an actor, model, blah, 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 come down to the hotel, whatever, this weekend... <laughs> You know, and it was one of those kind of things, and uh, and they basically uh, do their seminar, and then they meet each individual kid or person individually with their parents, and they tell every single one of them, "We think your kid's got it." You know, yeah, you yeah, You should yeah. buy this. So much advertising <laughs> in this quarterly magazine of ours. Blah blah blah. <laughs> well, we you know wasted money on that and did that, but uh, and Jamie and I both did uh, the class together, and we all we actually everybody did a skit. Had to do a skit and and I remember jamie Jamie and I did this skit of these two stoners playing video games side by side <laughs> in an arcade right, and just had everybody just you know i mean <laughs> we got the biggest response out of all the skits, right, and so that was just like, all right, I'm doing this you know and uh so anyway, yeah, I took off and pursued it, and my brother didn't uh he did other things for many years, but he w- he went in the air Force. But he's always been a great storyteller. You know, he's, you know, when he was in boot camp at the Air Force, it was his bunk that all the guys would come and gather around and listen to him tell stories and jokes and just laugh. You know. Wow. So he kind of had that in him. You know. Yeah. Now, now and, he's uh, doing it. So and I, it was just, I guess, about three or four years ago, he took his first beginning actor class. You know, it's just like one of those weekly, one night a week class for five or six weeks. And then after that, he took a three-week audition class that teaches you how to go in and audition. Just It was just three classes for three weeks. And then after that, I got him in a meeting with my agent. Well, actually, it wasn't my agent at that time. It was his agent friend. But I got him a meeting with the agent. He went in and read a scene for him, and they wound up signing him. And the first five auditions he went on, he got a call back and booked every single one of them
3: that's crazy uh, my,
2: my agent was like that is i've never seen that happen i mean i auditioned for a year and a half before i booked my well, first Well, do, do you, do you feel down.
1: like do you feel like you sort of paved a little road and they knew who it was it does it has got to help right because yeah
2: i'm I, i'm sure it helps in some way and and uh and he's taken my stage name as well evermore which is not my real name right but, uh, well i know that b- yeah but uh but anyway, yeah, it, it, I think it 's opened some doors for him, possibly, but you know, but at the same time you got to have you got to show up with the talent you can't no just no, show up with a I name know. no
1: you know? no, no they 're not going nobody 's giving you anything no all right, so let me ask you this so so, I have to do this because it 's very important because you and I both know that Mississippi is the birthplace of American music, and I love to celebrate that if you google. Famous musicians from Mississippi, you're going to pass out because it never ends. And it's all these genres. It's yeah. everything. Tell me, uh, do you want to hear a little bit of Mo Bandy or Cedric Burnside? Let's hear some Cedric Burnside. See, I love that about you. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. I love Cedric Burnside. We'll be right back. I'm with J.D. Evermore, American actor, Mississippi Made. I'm Steve Azar. You are in the Mississippi Minute. And she was me another
0: main razor. Don't tell me what about. The Super Talk app. Pop it in.
1: Pop it in. And turn it on.
0: Listen to your favorite shows anytime you darn well please. The Super Talk app. It's free. Download the Super Talk app now. 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 In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. I'm with actor J.D. Evermore, and uh, he is on a roll right now. You've been in a lot of roles, and you've got a lot coming up, so tell us about
2: it. Well, you know, like I said, I, 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 I came back from L.A. years ago, started auditioning for a lot of stuff here, booking roles. And, but I always felt like, you know, wouldn't it be awesome to get to that level where you don't have to audition anymore, and people are just calling and offering you roles. Oh, but yeah. I just didn't think that would ever happen as a regional actor, not being in L.A. or, or uh, New York. But I guess it was about back in 2013 when I booked a job playing a sheriff on a, a new Sundance TV series called Rectify, which if you have Netflix, you need to go check it out. It's only 30 episodes from beginning to end. And uh, I'll put it this way. Our season four ended the year before last at, in 2016. And if you look in the current Guinness Book of World Records, it has our season four listed as the number, as the highest rated TV show critically rated of 2016 wow and yet nobody's hardly seen it because it was on sundance tv But right. anyway and not only that i read a yahoo story this week that listed all the critics choice of the t- uh, 50 best tv show seasons of all time and two of our seasons are in there and our fourth season is number two that's unbelievable breaking and that season five
1: uh, behind breaking bad season five okay so you, this yeah. is rectify right
2: right and so after doing rectify like i said i moved to los angeles and was there two and a half weeks before I got offered the uh, Marvel series. and uh, So I wound up doing the Marvel series, which is going to premiere June 7th on Freeform. But uh, they offered it to me. I didn't even audition. I didn't screen test. Nothing. And uh, all the other lead actors in the show auditioned and had to do screen tests and everything. I didn't have to do that. Well, Well, then after uh, we finished shooting, just recently, uh, the first season we wrapped November 2nd, and... Right after that, I get a call from my manager, who was at the Emmys that Sunday, and he said, hey, J.D., I just want to tell you, Damien Chazelle is a fan of your work, and he wants you and only you to play Chris Kraft, who was head of mission control at NASA, in his next movie, First Man, which is about Neil Armstrong going to the moon. Come on. And Ryan Gosling's playing Neil Armstrong.
1: I got chills right now. I'm so excited. Dude. I'm at Tower Records right now. something
2: else weird. So I wound up getting the part without auditioning or anything, but the weird thing is, we were shooting the Marvel series in New Orleans East. So Damon Chazelle, for who you don't know, he wrote and directed Whiplash, which was an amazing film. And he also wrote and directed La La Land, which was nominated for 14 Oscars last year, tied for the most ever. All right. So oh, yeah. All right. So on August the 2nd, I was leaving work. And where we're shooting the Marvel series is right next to the NASA facility in New Orleans East by Six Flags over there. All right. So, the big, tall, white building with the big blue NASA logo was lit up. And I'm like, you know, that looks cool. I'm going to take a picture of that. So, I snapped a picture of my phone and I posted it on my Instagram on August the 2nd. And it said, Preparing for My Next Mission. I knew nothing about this movie coming up. Nothing about The First Man, you know, any of that. It, I just posted that. And the next thing you know, it was a little over a month later, whenever it was, I get a call from my manager telling me he wants me to do this film. I'm like, that is. That is crazy. That is it's crazy. Wild, okay? I love it. And so I go and I shoot the first leg for a few weeks I'm over there and then we shoot right up to Thanksgiving and then I have a break and then I got to fly back over to Atlanta for 3 2 or 3 more days and finish up right before Christmas. Right. Well, while I was home for Thanksgiving, our friend from the Delta, Tom rushing, who lives out in Colorado, who was home visiting his parents, came down to visit me in Covington. And I'm taking him around, showing him the area, and I take him by to show him my old house that I rented for like a year, back in 2013. And as we're backing out of the driveway, I see in my rearview mirror, I'm like, oh my God, I totally forgot about that. They had one of those metal archways that, I don't know what you call them, kind of like those metal things you put vines on that people get married under outside. Well, they had this in their yard, and at the top of the archway, it says, La La Land. Come on. And I thought it was funny when I moved in there because I mean I'm an actor. I used to live in Hollywood, and how fitting that I have a archway right in front of my house that says La La Land. Yeah. But I forgot about it until I was backing out of the driveway, and I saw that. And I was like, "You got to be kidding me!"
3: Yeah. So well, of
2: course I had to snap a picture, and I showed it to damien and it just blew his mind. <laughs> well, it's like after the NASA thing, preparing for my next mission. In the law of land, he's like, well, obviously it was meant to be.
1: Well, so. here, and that is, uh, you know, I always, uh, I got a song called You Don't Know a Thing, and it talks about you got your life all planned out, sure looks good on paper, you know, yeah. but the bottom line is we can plan it all we want, and obviously, J.D. Evermore, you have been on a path that sort of, you've worked your tail off, but there's things along the way that have come, and as I'm I get a little older and hopefully a little wiser, I notice one thing that, that we're all here for a reason, and we're all running in, into each other for a reason, and there's just no coincidences. As much as it seems wild, and and there's no way that can happen, I just right. feel like they were sort of wa- we're we we're, we're on this plan and path that's out of our hands, and I, I can't tell you how proud I am of you, and getting to watch you in your career now is just going to be even better, uh, you know, because I, I know you're just really getting started.
2: Well, thanks, buddy, and I, I, you know, I feel the same about you as well. I mean, all the things that you've done for the Delta, for Greenville. For our hometown and all the things that you do. And, 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 and you're amazing.
1: Well, I love you, But, but you so know what? I'm proud of you as I, well, man. Well, thank you. Well, I feel in like I,
2: company with
1: you. I. I love it. I, I, I owe it. You know, I feel like I owe it. I feel like I'm never going to catch up. So it's like a price yeah. that I just can't repay. We've been with JD Evermore, American actor, and uh, just got to check out all of his films. JD, you, uh, online, where can everybody find you?
2: Uh, uh, Well, you just look up J.D. Evermore and you can find my Twitter. It's J.D. underscore Evermore. At J.D. underscore Evermore.
1: I love it. I love it. I appreciate you. You are inside a Mississippi Minute. Woo!
2: Awesome (laughs) job, man. Hey, buddy. You're the best. I'm
1: Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time.